Well, hey, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Dave from Chase to Summit. You probably knew that already. I've got uh, a good episode for you today. This is episode 32. Can you believe I've done this 32 times and I'm still here doing it again? So in this episode, we're going to talk about the Vermont 100 endurance race, which is uh, the next big thing on my calendar, just a mere four days away from this very moment. I'm recording this on July 11th. The race is on July 15th. And uh, spoiler for for this episode is that I'm very undertrained for this race. Before we dive in, I do want to give a shout out to the Patreon members and YouTube members that help uh, keep this podcast going, keep the YouTube channel going, making this whole thing I keep doing a reality. A uh, huge shout out to them. Thank you very much. And if you want to help support what I'm doing here, check out the link at the bottom of the show notes that uh, helps me keep on keep on trucking. So um, I also want to give a quick shout out to the merch store. If you haven't checked it out yet, go over to chasethesummit.com slash shop to see what new merch is in stock. And right now I've got everything in, in stock, trucker hats, running hats, running shirts, the whole gamut. And on the topic of merch, a shout out to Path Projects, who has collaborated with me to make up a really cool running shirt called the CTS Collab Shirt. Again, links down below. And final shout out is to the supporter of this podcast, Liquid IV. If you've never heard of Liquid IV, we're actually going to talk about it in this episode today because it is a hydration multiplier. It's basically a little packet of powder you can stick in your running vest or your handheld water bottle mix it into your water, get all of your electrolytes, feel really hydrated. The stuff is really good. I really enjoy it. And I'll be using it at Vermont, which is uh, the topic of this podcast. So you'll hear about Liquid IV later on in this episode. And with all that out of the way, let's get right into the topic today. Uh, This episode is really going to be a mishmash of a little bit of everything. I'm going to talk about Vermont. Uh, my strategy, what's been going on lately, and then at near the end, we'll dive into the news, uh, the the fitness tech, GPS watch, goodness, that kind of thing, which you probably came here for. Uh, There's a few topics to talk about this week. But first, I want to talk about Vermont. So if you've followed me for any length of time, you may know that I've been training for the Vermont 100 endurance race. It's a 100 mile ultra marathon in Vermont, and it takes place this coming weekend, July 15th. Um, This has been kind of a redemption race for me because I ran it back in, I think it was 2018, where I DNF'd at mile 45. It was incredibly hot that day. It was like 100 degrees in the shade, and I got ridiculously dehydrated to the point where I could not continue, and I tapped out. So um, I'm kind of going back just because I really want that buckle (laughs) and I really want to, um, you know, check this one off the list. So I've been signed up for a while now, but things have been crazy in the Dillon household, which has made it really hard to train. We've got a, you know, an eight, eight month old baby on top of our other three kids. And to make it worse, we've been moving, uh, just recently the past two weeks, we've moved out of our house and we're currently living in the basement of my wife's parents' house. Uh, so with four kids and a dog in the basement, it's been an interesting ride, but you know, it's the best case scenario. We've been, we made it work. The move is basically completely done now, which is good because Vermont's this weekend. So after that, I probably won't be able to walk, let alone carry boxes from A to B. 
So uh, I'm glad to have that done. And now we wait for our, our new house to be built and ready to move into, which is going to take months from now. But I'm not even focusing on that because I've got, I've got the big race coming this weekend. <laughs> so the plan, the plan is to drive up on Friday, uh, Friday lunchtime afternoon to um, Windsor, Vermont to Silver Hill. They're going to have a, like a pre-race meeting um, and they're going to have like a barbecue and stuff for the runners the day before. And then I'm going to stay at a hotel in the area about 20 minutes from the starting line. Um, going to be close enough to drive there pretty quick in the morning uh, because the race actually starts at 4 a.m., which is very early, which is good and bad because it means, you know, you're not, you're not going well into the next day if you're a 24-hour runner, which is kind of nice. But uh, yeah, it's very early. So I'm going to try to get to bed very, very early the night before. So right now, the forecast for race day for Saturday is looking like uh, about 90, 90 degrees Fahrenheit and mostly sunny. I think I've been seeing it wavering between 85 to 90 degrees, which is very warm, but if it stays below 90, I think I'll be okay with that. Um, I've got some plans to mitigate the heat and, you know, it's, it won't be anything like it was back in 2018 when it was like way above a hundred. So going to be hot. It's going to be humid. Uh, but that's kind of to be expected in July here in New England. Um, so leading into this race, I'm going to try to, I'm going to, I'm really going to try to st stay present in this race um, you know, the YouTube channel is a great thing. It's a great creative outlet and a thing for me to kind of share my races and adventures and stuff, but it also can become a little bit of, um, it kind of puts some pressure on me, uh, in a way where I feel like I can't fail and that creates some anxiety because if I fail, I look like an idiot in front of the whole world or my small percentage of viewers that is the whole world. Um, so in this race, I'm really trying to put that stuff behind me and focus on just being present and having, you know, having a day for me. Uh, I'm going to bring the camera. I'm going to have the GoPro with me, but I'm going to try to treat it a little bit differently. I'm, I think the plan is to do like 10 mile updates. So maybe, you know, maybe if I'm having fun with the camera, I'll take it out more. But the plan is to, you know, every 10 miles, take out the camera, do a little uh, spiel, talk to the camera, kind of share what's going on maybe get some scenic shots along the way, but try not to obsess too much on the camera so I can, you know, the experience is still mine and I'm not like, you know, I don't know, being, being a YouTuber out there, those pesky YouTubers, man. So I'm a, I'm going to actively try to stay present. And I'm also, you know, like I said, I'm trying not to get like too burdened with the pressure of sharing this publicly. Um, you know, it's for me. Uh, and I don't want it to affect my pace strategy or anything like that. So um, another big change leading into this race is initially I was planning on going in as a crewed runner with uh, a crew, a couple people helping me out, and then also having um, pacers. I was going to have my wife pace and potentially somebody else pace, but things have changed dramatically. First of all, I do not have a crew and I've honestly battled with this a bit. I always feel kind of guilty. Like I've had in the past, my sister and her husband, my brother-in-law have crewed for me and, and it was great. And they, they were very, you know, they're really excited and happy to do it. But 
I've always, I, I've had this like stress and anxiety about having people like waiting around for me. And I just don't like the idea of like people giving up a whole day to like hang around waiting for me to hand me a drink or something. So combined with the fact that our family schedule is kind of crazy right now. So my wife is unable to run with me. She's not going to be able to pace at all. Um, those two things combined have led me into making the decision that I'm actually going to run Vermont solo. And if you don't know the way Vermont works, there's two um, registrations, basically. You can you can register as a solo runner or you can register as a crewed runner. And the difference is the solo runners are allowed to have uh, up to eight drop bags at strategic uh, eight stations across the course. So you can put a bunch of stuff you need in a bag and then have that, you know, at mile 88 or whatever where you need it. Um, and so you can kind of uh, plan for yourself and be your own crew. And then uh, solo runners also get a little extra gift at the finish line. There's like a cup or something. <laughs> and on top of all that, there's a separate leaderboard for solo runners or at least the podium. There's a separate podium leaderboard for, for like first through fifth um, male and female, just kind of cool. And, um, you know, it's a different kind of challenge. You go in fully supporting yourself, doing your thing. And it's, you know, no one else is there to help you, which is kind of cool, scary at the same time. Anyways, I have decided to go solo for now. The nice thing about Vermont is that you can change your mind. If you, if I got to like mile 80 and I'm like, I can't move on um, without a pacer and there's somebody there willing to pace me. I could potentially pick that person up and still qualify as a crude finisher, which is a nice option to have. So the plan is for now, I'm going solo. I'm trying to plan for my drop bags and everything. And then, um, we're going to see where the, where the day goes. So like I said, the, the race starts at four in the morning, which is going to be a little bit rough. Uh, it's a very early start. Um, and in terms of, of gear that I'm going to be wearing, I'm a little torn when it comes to footwear. I've oddly been really enjoying the Ultra Mont Blancs, which is kind of crazy because if you saw my video about the Mont Blancs, I actually gave them kind of a negative review. So sorry about that, Ultra. The, the Mont Blancs have actually grown on me quite a bit. So I've been wearing them a lot for my training. Um, on trails and roads, surprisingly. And I think that's what kind of makes me consider them as an option. Um, the other option is the Hoka Tecton X, which is a shoe Hoka gave me a couple of weeks ago out at Western States. Now, I, at first, I actually had problems with the Tecton X, but it was because I was, I was sized down a little bit too much. Um, I typically wear a 10 and a half men's shoe. And so they gave me a 10 and a half men's shoe, but I ended up bruising my toe, my middle toe a little bit. Um, so they actually, they're sending me a pair of 11s. I've tried out the 11s and I think that'll solve the problem. Other than that minor bruised toe situation, they were really comfortable. Re they felt really fast. They kind of provided a good spring in my step. So I've been considering those. And I've also got a pair of uh, Ultra Temp 4s on order, which I've never worn before. So it's kind of a risk wearing a brand new untested shoe to a hundred miler, but uh, those will be in, in the next uh, couple of days. So odds are I'll be wearing the, yeah, all odds are, 
or I'll be wearing the um, Mont Blancs, but we'll see what happens. It could be a variety of shoots. Could end up being the Olympus, which I've got a lot of experience with, or the Ultra Lone Peak, which has been my go-to for a long time. But uh, yeah, I'm not really sure. Kind of up in the air right now. Uh, in terms of a pack, I will be wearing the Solomon Advanced Skin 12 set. That's kind of my go-to for longer runs, especially if I go for the solo category, it would mean carrying more stuff for myself and having that 12 liter pack would be nice if I've got extra stuff in my bag. Um, another key piece of gear I'll be bringing is an ice bandana. If you're not aware what that is, uh, it's basically a bandana that's got, it's sewn in such a way that it creates a pocket that you can put ice in to cool yourself down. Uh, fun fact, I had no idea what an ice bandana was last time I ran Vermont, and then I saw everybody wearing one, and I felt like a dope for not having one. So it is a uh, little pro tip. You know, you see these at Western States, you see them at Vermont. Basically anywhere hot, of course, you see them at like Badwater and things like that. It's a, uh, it's a crucial piece of gear to have, and I'll be wearing one of those. In terms of nutrition, I will be wear uh, wearing, I hope I'm not wearing the nutrition, in terms of nutrition, I will be using Liquid IV, which I talked about as a supporter of the show. Again, Liquid IV, um, if you're interested in checking it out, I've got a coupon code in the description or, or show notes down below that give you 30% off your order. But even though they, they do support the show, it's, this is a product I use all the time. I really like it. It's a bunch of electrolytes. It's low in calories. And I use this... Um, if I need like a quick burst of electrolytes and salt, uh, when I need more calories, I lean on Tailwind, which is another powder, uh, but it has more calories to it. It has up to, I think it's 300 calories a serving. And um, I really like Tailwind. The, the flavor doesn't get old or anything, which is something I look for in a nutrition, especially at a hundred mile race. So um, Tailwind and Liquid IV will be my hydration Choices. Um, I think the race itself actually uses base nutrition, which I, I've used in the past, but I don't love. So I'm going to try to use my own um, hydration mixes, which is kind of a pain because it means at aid station, you're like doing your mix and it takes a little bit more time, but I think it'll pay off. So in terms of food, I'm a runner that tries to rely heavily on gels, which a lot of people can't do. I've got a fairly strong stomach, so I don't really have a problem doing that. But later on in the race, like by mile 50 through 70 or 100 or whatever, I will be eating more real food and probably leveraging that from the aid station more so than my own uh, stash. So they'll have salted potatoes and pretzels and candy and things like that. So I'll be eating a lot of their stuff for calories and trying to make it work. I might you know, I might just put a few things in my drop bags in order to, um, you know, just diversify a little bit if food starts to feel a little bit old. Another thing I've been considering a lot of is, you know, last time I ran 100, I was totally trashed by the end of the race. And so I'm, I've been considering like loading up a cooler for my trunk <laughs> to have sort of like a stash in my car for when I get back there. Uh, so I can kind of like rest and get my stuff together, maybe eat some fruit or something before I make like the 10 minute car ride to my hotel room to 
crash, you know, driving after that is not going to be fun. So I'm trying to prepare for that. Maybe take a nap in the car or something. You know, I'm not really sure yet. But other than that, you know, pretty straightforward. I'll have a headlamp in my bag, um, blister kit, emergency stuff, you know, all the basics. Unfortunately, Vermont does not allow the use of headphones, which is kind of a bummer. So none of that. And um, my drop bags, I think I'm going to keep pretty lean. I'm not going to go too crazy with a lot of like, you know, overthinking the drop bags, like putting shoes in there and clothes and stuff. I'm just going to put like some extra hydration mix and nutrition and maybe a spare head headlamp for later in the race and call it a day. So that's really the plan right now. It's going to be a crazy day. Like I said, last time I ran, um, I had a drop a mile 45 and it was a huge bummer. So my training leading up to this race has not been great. Like I said before, we've been really busy. Um, the, the good news is I have run a few races leading up to this. I had a, uh, 50 K back in, was it April? Yeah. April. Yeah. Then I had a 50 miler in May. Um, and then I ran another 50 miler in June, which is only, you know, a few weeks ago at this point. So, you know, I could, I can do that, <laughs> which is promising. And, you know, other than that, my training has been like 20, 30, 40 miles a week max, just because of how busy I've, I've been. So I'm hoping between all of that, I can kind of piece this together. I've got three goals, a goal is probably unattainable sub 24 hour. I don't think I'll get that, but you know, if I'm feeling great, everything goes right, maybe. Um, and then the B goal is going to bump up to sub 28 hours, which I will shift to if I start to see my average pace creep below the A goal. I'm not going to fight too hard to stay with the A goal because I want to leave a lot of fuel in the tanks for, um, you know, finishing the race. I don't want to, kill myself, burn myself out and dehydrate and, you know, potentially injure myself and have to drop. I want to finish this time. So B goal is going to be sub 28. And then C goal is going to be the Hail Mary. If everything goes south, uh, that's just to finish. So the cutoff for Vermont is under 30 hours. Um, this is a 100 mile course with 17,000 feet of elevation gain, which is no joke. The roads, it, there's a lot of like Jeep roads and horse trails. So it's not like super technical, but that's actually kind of a challenge because it creates a sort of terrain that's like a ramp where your feet are always at an angle. It's very hilly, but there's no steps like a staircase. It's really just ramps going up and down, rolling, lots of up and downs. And that sort of off angle terrain can burn out your quads and calves and your feet in your ankles really quickly as compared to like a technical trail. That's more like a staircase. I mean, they both have their challenges. Obviously a technical trail is hard in its own right, but there is some uniqueness to Vermont and I wasn't prepared for that last time I was there. I'm hope I'm hoping I can harness my, my, uh, you know, my history there and try to keep myself well within reason and not try to burn myself out or push too hard or too early or anything like that. So that's the plan. Um, you know, like I said, it's going to be solo. It's going to be interesting. 
I wish it wasn't going to be solo, but you know, this is the way it has to be. And I'm going to try to make it work. So that is Vermont in a 20 minute nutshell. I hope, I hope I explained every detail that I wanted to in this podcast. Um, you know what? I didn't talk about what I'm going to wear. So I'm going to definitely be wearing the Chase the Summit Trucker hat because I love that thing. Uh, quick plug, check out the merch store in the show notes. But I'll also be wearing um, these Hoka Seeker shorts that I got a couple of weeks ago. Um, they were given to me by Hoka, so there's that. But I actually really like them because they have this like waist belt built into them. So there's a bunch of pockets all around them. There's a big old phone pocket in the back, but there's also a ton of little stash pockets for like gels and you know little things here and there um and they've been really comfortable on me no chafe or anything like that so i think i'm gonna wear those um you know i think i'm gonna wear the either a lululemon men's uh running shirt or um my chase the summit running shirt i don't know which one i like them both uh shirts don't really matter to me but i thought i'd share that detail (laughs) as long as they don't chafe i don't really care what shirt i'm wearing um you know, is there anything else I'm looking for here? Any other details I want to share? Hmm. Well, you know, the hotel room is going to be really interesting because, uh, like I said, I'm staring there Friday night. The race is Saturday into Sunday. And then I'm going to sleep at the hotel Sunday into Monday and drive home on, on Monday, which is going to be brutal. So I need to drive myself back from the finish line to the hotel, which is like 20 minutes away, sleep there, wake up and, you know, hobble myself out to my vehicle to get myself home. I'm a little worried about that whole transaction. We'll see how that works out. Uh, but you know, I'll try to make it work. Be nice to have a ride home, but man, I'm just flying solo on this one. It'd be cool if I can make it work. (laughs) Okay. I, you know, I think that's everything I want to share about Vermont. Obviously, um, after race day, I will have, probably a more detailed podcast. I'll definitely have a uh, Vermont um, video on YouTube. So make sure to go over the YouTube channel and subscribe so you don't miss that. And I'm going to try to share as much of the ugliness that happens during this race, the good, the bad, and the ugly to give you an idea of what it's like for someone with a big old dad bod like mine to uh, try to piece this stuff together. Hopefully it's it's a good video with a happy ending, but you know... I'm skeptical right now. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little scared about this whole thing. I'm going to give it my all, but um, yeah. Okay. With all the Vermont talk in the bag, let's move into the news this week. Um, so we've got a, good, a few good topics to talk about. There's not a lot going on in the news, but I, I, I wanted to share a few things I found interesting. First of all is a global GPS issue that is affecting tons of GPS watches out there. So if you have an older, not older, but um, a GPS watch from the past few years that likely has a Sony GPS chip in it, this could be something like the Garmin Phoenix 7, the 945, 245, the Coros Pace 2, Coros Vertex Pro, uh, no, Apex Pro, uh, Coros Apex, Polar Vantage V2, Polar Vantage M2. There's a lot of them out there that have the Sony chipset. A lot of these watches have been affected with a bad um, issue with the GPS accuracy where it actually causes your track to drift a little bit. So you may have noticed that your like track is not lining up with the road when you look on Strava. And I noticed this on DC Rainmakers blog 
apparently it's uh, a problem with something called the ephemeris data file, uh, according to Rainmaker over there, DC Rainmaker. And it's been affecting watches for the past few days, but it should be fixed now. I don't know why I'm even sharing if it's fixed now, but it's something that maybe you noticed and maybe thought there was a problem with your watch. So I thought it was worth mentioning. Also worth mentioning is that if you have a newer watch with a multi-band GPS chip, like the 255, 955, Phoenix 7, Epix Gen 2, Tactic 7, uh, Garmin Edge 1040, or the Vertex 2, all of those watches will not have a problem because of this new generation of chipsets and GPS technology. It's only the Sony GPS chips. But like I said, this issue is probably res resolved right now. And to really resolve it entirely, you just have to go in and manually uh, update your AGPS file, which in Coros you can do in the app. With Garmin, you just literally just start a new run. And every time it syncs, it'll update the AGPS file and you should be good to go. But I thought I'd mention this anyway. Next up in the news, we have something from Apple. So Mark Gurman is a Apple analyst who he typically comes up with rumors that are like really accurate. And just recently he announced that this new rumor uh, about a rugged slash extreme Apple watch. So this Apple watch will supposedly have a strong metal case a larger display at nearly two inches, which is 7% bigger than the Series 7. Uh, it could potentially have a rubberized exterior for shock resistance, a shatter-resistant screen, and it's going to be significantly more expensive than the Series 7, rumored to come in at nearly $700 USD. It's a lot of money. A couple of thoughts on this, though. If you are thinking this is expensive and Apple actually delivers on this, um, you need, you need to put this into context. So the Garmin Phoenix 7 and the Apex Gen 2, those can cost up to a thousand bucks. It's a lot of money. So, you know, Apple charging 700 bucks for something that competes with something like a Phoenix 7 isn't like that unrealistic in my opinion. So not too bad, but there are a couple of things I want to, a couple of wish list items I hope to see on the Apple Watch, the next generation, this rugged version First of all, better battery life. This is must have. We can't be buying $700 watches that only have one day of battery life. That's just not something I want to invest my money in. That's super frustrating to me. And as a runner, somebody who uses the watch in GPS mode a lot, it just doesn't work. It doesn't hack it for me. <laughs> so I, I'm saying I want to see like four to five days minimum. If, if you know, this is a sports centric Apple watch, four to five days with this rugged design, and I, another wish, wish list item is going to be uh, dual frequency GPS, which is what Garmin is doing now, what Coros has been doing. And it provides a really solid GPS uh, track, really super accurate. And this is an area where Apple has been kind of meh in the past. So it'd be really cool to see them adopt dual frequency GPS. Those are the two things I want to see on this watch. And then... If they do that, I think it might be worth the uh, $700 price to admission. Okay, so the next piece of news that we've got here is another piece of Garmin news. Uh, this is pertaining to the Garmin Phoenix 7 and the Epix Gen 2. If you've been following along with Garmin news and reviews and stuff, you may have seen that the Garmin Foreigner 955 and 255 were announced. Um, I've got videos on those. If you're interested to check those out, check out the YouTube channel. 
But uh, the big thing about the 955 in particular is that it's a $500 watch that actually has more features than the Phoenix 7. There's a training readiness widget, a race calendar widget, and some other functionality like HRV tracking, uh, which came out on the 955, which I've genuinely really enjoyed using. So I've been actually wearing the 955 instead of uh, wearing my Epics or Phoenix 7 just because I like the features. Now in uh, beta, it's actually, they call it, I think they're calling it alpha. In alpha, you can download these new features for your Phoenix 7 and Epix Gen 2. Keep in mind, this is alpha or beta, so it's not fully, you know, cooked. It's not 100% complete. So there are some bugs and stuff that'll need to be worked out. But you can go ahead and download this to your watch and use these new features on your Phoenix 7, which is super cool. However, the fact that this is in beta and alpha means that it's not actually available uh, to download over the air. So you can't go and, you know, just update your watch to get this. You actually have to download this manually from Garmin's website and plug your, your watch into your computer in order to get this new firmware onto the watch. This is not supported with uh, Garmin's new uh, beta rollout where you can do it over the air. This is only by wire. So if you want to be on the bleeding edge to try out these new features on your Phoenix 7, you can do that now with a little bit of risk. Keep in mind there's a risk involved. I wouldn't want to be using beta software if I had a race coming up or something like that. But if you're eager to try it out, you can do that now by downloading the beta or alpha from Garmin's website. Check that out at the uh, Garmin forums. Pretty interesting. So. That's kind of it for the news. Uh, finally, quick segment, what's coming on the YouTube channel. I've got, uh, I just posted a video about the Apple Watch's running power, which coincidentally is about the last topic we just met, talked about, how Apple has added running power to the Apple Watch in OS 9. I was able to download the beta and get it on my Apple Watch, so I was able to test it out compared to a bunch of other devices. Uh, so go check out the YouTube channel for that because I spent a lot of time on it and I think it's kind of interesting. Another thing coming to the YouTube channel is a full in-depth review of the Amazfit BIP 3. If you've been listening to the podcast, this is a device that I talked about like two episodes ago. Um, the Amazfit BIP 3 has an LCD display, optical heart rate sensor, GPS built into it, um, really nice user interface, and it costs $69, which is kind of crazy. So I bought one, and I've been testing it for a few weeks, and the review on this is coming up to talk about whether or not a $69 watch can compete in, with the likes of like a $1,000 Phoenix 7. So yeah, stay tuned for that. And finally, uh, coming to YouTube, obviously, will be the race recap video for the Vermont 100, which will probably come out next week. So make sure to subscribe for that. So you can either see me completely fail and collapse on the ground like a mumbling pile of something, or maybe succeed, which would be interesting to watch. <laughs> All right, that brings us to the end of this episode. Coming in on 30 minutes, just a short, quick podcast to keep everybody in loop on what's going on with me. Um, stay tuned for future episodes. I've got a lot of a lot in store for the podcast, a couple of guests lined up, but I do like to do these weekly, you know, simple updates on what's going on with me, my training, the news, just to keep you in the loop, to keep this wheel turning to, I don't know, if you enjoy the YouTube channel, you might enjoy this. 
If you did enjoy this, make sure to go over to your favorite podcast platform and give me a five-star rating. If you're on Spotify or Apple, make sure to leave a comment on what you like about the podcast. I would really appreciate that. And of course, check out the merch store in the show notes down below. And finally, subscribe to the YouTube channel so you don't miss more videos in the future. That is all I've got for this podcast. Thank you for joining me this time around. I think that's everything I wanted to talk about this time. But yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this. Okay, I got to go, gang. Thanks again. Bye. Bye.